following message is presented by First Baptist Church of Morgan City, Louisiana. For more information, go to the website www.fbcmc.org. Now the message. Open our ears, Lord. When we started this uh, series back in early July, uh, I never would have imagined it would have been 11 parts, and here we are uh, just now getting to the Old Testament prophets. And there's just so much to learn and, and so much to cover, and, and I don't know about you, but God has really, really spoken to me through this sermon series. And uh, one of the ways that uh, a pastor, a teacher, a preacher uh, can know that he's being effective, know that his message is really gripping the hearts of the people who hear it is when it grips his own heart. It, it does no good whatsoever for me to sit up here and spout a bunch of words if God hasn't gotten a hold of my heart first. So I hope that God takes what you're learning through this sermon series and really, really starts to shape you and mold you into what he wants you to be. Because the more you learn to hear from God, the more pliable you'll be the more you'll want to be in his hands and, and becoming more and more in the image of, of what he has planned for your life. Charles Stanley, many of you know, uh, pastor, teacher, Arthur, uh, passed away earlier this year, this quote at the bottom of your outline. Uh, if we walk in the Spirit daily, surrendered to his power, we have the right to expect anything we need to hear from God. The Holy Spirit living within us and speaking to us ought to be the natural, normal lifestyle of the believers. And I don't recommend too many books whenever I'm I'm doing a sermon or a message, but this book that it came from, How to Listen to God, it was written back in 1985. If you can get your hands on a copy of this book, I know we have one copy that's available in our church library I have a personal copy, but if you can get a hold of a copy, I, I highly recommend that you go through that to kind of parallel with what we're talking about. A lot of my thoughts and ideas have come from this book. Uh, I've used it as a resource many times, uh, preparing for these sermons and getting ready. But if you can get your hands on a copy of that book, I would highly recommend it. But back when we started in July, I, I never would have imagined we would have taken it this far. And I, I really have no definite end to it yet. I'm going to go with it. As long, we might go to 50 parts, I don't know. We might go to the end of the year. But as long as I know that you're getting something out of it and, and you are learning how to hear from God, we're going to keep going with it. So be praying for me along that. Uh, the past two weeks, we've looked specifically at a prophet by the name of Isaiah, an Old Testament prophet. Uh, we looked specifically at his temple vision that he had in chapter 6. We referred to some of his messianic prophecies last week as we were talking about the importance and reliability of God's word, how God's word is inerrant, infallible, inspired, and eternal, and why God's word needs to be such an important, intricate part of us hearing from God. This week we look at a prophet by the name of Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 18. Contrary to popular beliefs, Jeremiah was not a bullfrog, (laughs) He was a prophet of God. Uh, These prophets were some very unusual people. They had a very tough assignment. 
most of the time it was to preach warnings to the Hebrew people. Look, either you comply with what God has for you to do or you suffer the consequences. And the message that Jeremiah brings forth that he learns at the potter's house today is one of those messages. God said, look, I have the power to, to mash you down and to build you back up again. And that's the picture that God was trying to give to Jeremiah. Jeremiah's name in the Hebrew language means uh, the Lord exalts or God will uplift, uh, which is kind of fitting because Jeremiah had to be uplifted from a cistern. They didn't like the messages that Jeremiah brought, so they threw him in a deep, dark pit full of miry clay. They left him there to die, but somebody said, that's not right, we shouldn't do that. So they lifted him back out and he continued to preach God's word. And so it seems as if Jeremiah in his prophecies and in his preaching and in his writing, it seems as though Jeremiah had some very special insight to life within a mother's womb. Uh, Life right after conception, how life is shaped and formed inside of the womb. One of the more common verses we know from Jeremiah comes from chapter 1 verse 5. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. I think Jeremiah had special insight to the sanctity of human life and how precious life was, even the unborn. He says, before you were born, I sanctified you and I ordained you a prophet to the nations. So in this particular passage that we look at today, uh, Jeremiah thought he was going down to the potter's house to preach a message (laughs) But God sent him to the potter's, mount, uh, potter's house to get resources and an illustration and a visual of his next message. He was getting sermon material when he went down to the potter's house. You say, Brother Tracy, where do you come up with some of those crazy stories and analogies and illustrations? He, look, if you just go to Walmart, you can get plenty of sermon material, I guarantee you. <laughs> A lot of my sermon material just happens from everyday life. Things that I work with, things that I view, things that I see. The Bible says that all of creation testifies of God. And God can give you a message or an illustration or or a life lesson out of pretty much anything. If you'll look at it close enough, if you'll analyze it, if you'll watch it, you can take much of what you see happening in life, in your own life and in other people's lives, and you can see some kind of analogy that brings out a spiritual message. When Jesus told his parables, that's what he was doing, is he was taking an earthly message and he was giving it a heavenly meaning. He, he, he had a spiritual message that he wanted to impart upon the people, but he wanted to do it in a way that they could relate to. And so as Jeremiah went to the potter's house here in chapter 18, God gives him a crystal clear picture of how to present his warning message to the nation of Israel and to the Hebrew people. Let's all stand out of honor and reverence to God's word as we read Jeremiah chapter 18, verses 1 through 11. How do we get in shape? What does it take for God to be able to mold us and shape us and get us into the form that he wants us to be in? Well, it all starts by hearing from God and what he has to say. And that's how this particular passage opens up. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause you to hear my word. So once again, we see this matter of obedience being very, very important 
to the first steps of hearing from the Lord. Then I went down to the potter's house, and there he was, making something at the wheel. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again into another vessel, as it seemed good to the potter to make. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter. Now, I don't know how you read God's word, but sometimes you need to take your own personal name and put it in the place of Israel or whoever the word of God is talking about here. Because when I read this, I'll read it personally. Tracy, can I not do with you as this potter, says the Lord? While it is written to a very specific people here, the principle that applies is for all of us that are listening today. Look, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. The instant I speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to pluck it up, to pull it down, to destroy it, if that nation against whom I have spoken turns from its evil, I will relent of the disaster that I thought to bring upon it. It reminds you of that conditional clause that we looked at in Second Chronicles just a few weeks ago. If my people will turn from their ways, then I will bless their land. I will heal their, heal their land. This is very, very reminiscent of that message there. And the instant I speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to build up and to plant it, if it does evil in my sight so that it does not obey my voice, then I will relent concerning the good with which I said I would benefit it. The retribution principle. Disobedience brings cursings. Obedience brings blessings. It's found all throughout Scripture. You'll reap what you sow. Now therefore, speak to the men of Judah and to the inhabitants of, it, of Jerusalem, saying, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I am fashioning a disaster and devising a plan against you. Return now, everyone, from his evil way, and make your ways and your doings good. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you want to speak to us. Lord, you want to make it perfectly clear to us what happens whenever we obey your voice, whenever we heed your warnings. But Lord, also to be just and fair, you give us crystal clear warnings of what will happen, Lord God, the impending disaster that will ensue upon our disobedience. So I pray, Lord God, that you would give us hearts to hear. Lord, that you would help us to be doers of the word and not just hearers only. That we'll take what we learn today, Lord God, and apply it to our life every single day. That, God, we would seek to learn you, uh, learn of you and know you better. And I just pray, Lord God, for each and every person here that you will speak to them. God, I pray that you'll speak through me. I pray, Lord God, that uh, the things that you do not want me to say, Lord God, you will withhold me from. And I pray that the things that we need to hear today, that you would speak through me, Lord God. And we just ask it all in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Now, I didn't get to preach Wednesday night, so I'm a little bit backed up. Uh, however, while I was away, I did get uh, some stronger glasses. So what I got to read just a moment ago, it was a little bit clearer, a little bit brighter. 
The Saints don't play till Monday night, so we might go all day. I don't know. Uh, buckle up. Here we go. This is going to be like uh, drinking from a fire hose. So uh, I think God really wants to speak to us today. I, I think there's someone here that God really wants to speak to and use and, and change their life through what we learn today. So the first thing I want you to know and I want you to see in this passage is that God knows our potential. Let me just be cut and dry about this. Let me just be plain and open about it. You have a purpose to fulfill while you're here on this earth. Amen? The sooner you learn that, the more you'll want to hear from God and the more you'll want to pursue that purpose. And so as you notice, as Jeremiah goes to the potter's house, the potter was already there. He had the clay in his hands. He was making something out of it. From the moment you were conceived, God had a purpose for your life. You have potential that you haven't even recognized yet. You have potential that you haven't even tapped into yet. You have potential that you haven't even learned about. And the more you hear from God and the more you learn how to hear from God, the sooner you will know and understand and fulfill that potential. Jeremiah also writes in his book in chapter 29, 11, if you want to write this down, he's known for saying this. He says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans of peace and not evil. Did you hear that? God wants you to have peace in your life. And that peace can only be found through the Prince of Peace. And his name is Jesus Christ. And if your life isn't fully surrendered to the potter's hands, if you haven't fully surrendered to Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you will never understand and experience that peace that he has for your life. I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, plans of peace, not evil, to give you a future and a hope. What is it that God is looking for? What, what kind of potential is he looking for? What is he look, all God is doing is looking for someone to say, here I am, Lord, send me. God is some, looking for somebody that will just hand him a blank check Say, God, you fill it out however you want to. I don't understand it. I don't know. You've got me here for a reason, but Lord, I am fully submitting to your will and the plan that you have for my life. If you'll notice something about the potter's house, the clay didn't have any choice in the matter. The potter just took it and plopped him down on the wheel and began shaping and molding and forming him into what he wanted to do because the potter saw something in that clay that nobody else saw. I had to go and... uh, Borrow something from our children's department a while ago for a demonstration. This is all back there. And then I think if you would hand a little bit of this Play-Doh to any of those kids back there in our children's department, can you imagine the things that they would see in this? Can you imagine what their little minds would want to create out of this? I mean, they might create a starfish, a horse, a dog. They might create something that they shouldn't create, something that they've seen somewhere else. But the sky's the limit. But when you hand this, I mean, it just looks like some old ugly Play-Doh right now. But look how soft and how pliable it is. The the Play-Doh has no choice in the matter. That Play-Doh can sit right there all day long and not do anything. And that's the way the clay was at the potter's house. But the potter looked at that and said, you know, I see something useful in that. I see potential in that. 
And that potter began shaping and molding and squeezing and pressing. Sometimes when it became too dry, he would wet his hands. He would form it a little bit more. But sometimes he had to apply a lot of pressure to really, really work out those tough spots. And that's the illustration that God is giving to Jeremiah here at the potter's house. He's saying life has something special. I did not create you by accident. You you didn't just happen into existence. But God said before you were in your mother's womb, I knew the potential that you had in your life. And when you came into this earth, I have the opportunity to shape you and mold you and to form you into something that can be useful for my kingdom. What is God looking for? God is looking for lumps of clay that are pliable, moldable. How lumpy are you right now? You got some rough spots in your life? You got some areas that God just really can't seem to work out? He still sees the potential in you. He knows you have those rough spots. We're going to talk about that in just a moment. But God is looking for someone to say, Here I am, Lord. Shape me and mold me and transform me into what you need me to be. Another good book I recommend, I've used this several times. It's one that I was reading when I surrendered to the ministry. Michael Catt wrote a series of books, and in it is titled the book, The Power of Surrender. And in his book, he had this to say. He says, God is looking for fit vessels he can use, faithful, available, teachable vessels through which he can pour out his power. There's no personality type for revival leaders. There is no one, two, three formula. God is not going to work according to our planned out, prearranged ideas about who he may use. Each one of you sitting here today, each person listening to the sound of my voice right now, I want you to, because I was in that position at one time. I was in a place where God, I said, you know, God, I don't think God could ever use me. I have nothing to offer that he could use for his kingdom. So here's what I want you to understand. Each and every single one of you is created in a way, and you, God has placed you here to be able to use you to grow his kingdom right here at First Baptist Church, Morgan City, Louisiana, the year 2023. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how young you are. If you'll say yes to the Lord, if you'll say, God, I have something that I can offer you, God sees potential in you that you have yet to discover. And I went down to the potter's house, verse 3, and there he was making something at the wheel. Notice it's a process. After 30 plus years in the chemical industry, I know a little bit about manufacturing things. I know how, what it means to take two crude raw products and combine them together. Maybe put them through a reactor. Maybe put them through a uh, fired furnace. Maybe do something to change their molecular structure and turn them into another product. But that product is in the crude. You still have to refine it. It has to be sent through a purification process. Sometimes heat has to be applied. Sometimes cold temperatures have to be applied. 
Sometimes you have to draw products out of it that don't belong there. But in the end, you're making a product that is 99.9% pure and ready to be used for something good. And that's exactly what it is for our lives as well. We start off as a crude product. God, here I am. I surrender my life to you. God saves you. God doesn't just put you on a shelf when he saves you. God says, I want you to be engaged in my kingdom building process. Let's get started training you, preparing you, molding you, and shaping you. But Jeremiah also notices something else about the clay here. Point number two, God knows our problems. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hands of the potter. Now look, he took that piece of clay, he shaped it into something that he had envisioned, but he noticed that there was a little bit of a defect in it. You know what? He didn't just take that and push it off to the side and say, I'm not going to ever use it again. It says he smashed it down and began working it even more. Clay in the Old Testament was used for so many different things. Sometimes it could just be squeezed with the fingers and the hands. Sometimes they had to put it under the feet to compress it and mold it and make it more compliable. But he didn't just throw the clay away. He said, I know it's got problems. I know it's got issues. Let's just start over again. Even though it had that one little mistake in it, that one little defect, I'm not going to throw it away. Before God begins moving in our lives, He knows that we all have issues. I know that's a wake-up call for some of you. (laughs) But you got issues. We all do. And it's in the form of a word called S-I-N. We're all defected because of a sin nature. We inherited it from Adam and Eve, the fall of mankind. And the Bible clearly says that we've all sinned and we've fallen short of the glory of God. And God knows that before he ever starts working in our lives. He knows that we have problems. But he doesn't say, look, I'm just going to get rid of that and make another one. He says, "Uh uh-uh. He said, I'm going to give you the opportunity to repent. I know that you've been impacted by this fallen world. And he patiently takes us. And helps us and encourages us. And by the power of his Holy Spirit, he works out those marred, defective, sinful areas of our lives. As soon as the potter begins here, he sees that the clay is working with is marred. Have you ever heard this before? This is going to hurt me. More than it hurts you. (laughs) This piece of clay. I'm sure that this potter's hands were rough, calloused, dried, and cracked. And his hands probably did hurt worse than the pain that the clay felt. And when we sin, guess what? It it impacts us. It should be harmful to us. But it hurts the heart of God more than it does anything else. Because God says, that's not what I created you for. And that's not how I want you to live your life. And I've given you a solution and a remedy for that. And it hurt Jesus far worse than it will ever hurt us for him to take our sins away. By his stripes, we are healed. 
But God knows that we have those problems in our lives. And God is still willing to work with us. And he patiently takes us and shapes us and works out those sinful areas in our lives that keep us from being used by him. The next thing that we see is the word that Jeremiah gets. Point number three, God's word brings promises. God knows our potential. He sees something in us that we don't see. God knows our problems. But that's why God gives us his word, because in his word contain the promises that we need to hear. As long as we'll hear them and listen to them. There's a difference between just hearing and listening to what you're being told. Verse number five, then the word of the Lord came to me saying, O house of Israel. What is God doing? God is giving one of his prophets a message a word to speak to his people. And as long as his people will listen and obey to what this prophet is speaking and what God is speaking through this promise, everything's going to be fine for them. Then the word of the Lord came to me, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter, says the Lord? Look, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. The instant I speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to pluck it up, pull it down, and destroy it. If that nation, if that nation, that is a big, big two-letter word right there. If. If that nation, if Tracy will turn from the evil that I've spoken against him, I will relent of the disaster that I thought to bring upon it. It's a promise from God. If you'll turn from your evil ways, if you'll repent of your sin, then God's going to relent of the disaster that is coming against you. Because you see, along with that sin, along with those issues, along with those problems that we have, comes a penalty. Romans 6.23 says that the wages of sin is death, separation from God for all eternity in a place called hell. But God says, if you'll listen, if you'll hear my warnings, if you'll heed my warnings, if you'll turn from those evil and wicked ways, then I'm going to relent against that disaster. The book of James tells us to be doers of the word and not just hearers only. See, there's some of you right now that, that hear what I'm saying. You, you're hearing my voice. You're hearing my words. But for some reason or another, you're not listening. You're tuned out. You've got something else on your mind. You've got something else on your heart. And you're not fully comprehending what God is trying to speak to you in this moment. You'll not heed my warnings and you'll continue doing things against God's will. You'll walk out of those doors today and say, well, that was a good message, and it'll never, ever sink in that God was speaking directly to you during this moment. You're hearing, but you're not listening. And so too many times, that's what's going on. God will cause circumstances in our lives trying to get our attention. God will send one person, two people, three people. See, this is not the only warning that the nation of Israel got from the Lord. The next prophet that we'll look at, Ezekiel, he came along with the same message. Look, you, either be, you better turn or something disastrous is going to happen. 
Either you obey and you comply to what God is telling you to do, or He's going to bring a disaster upon you. And that's the warning that I'm giving you today. You're having an opportunity right now, right here in this moment, to be blessed by the Lord, to hear His promises if you will turn towards Him and heed the warnings. Jesus told a parable in His Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 7. He told a story about two men that built a house. He said there was one man that built a house. He built it out on the sand. Built a nice, fine, beautiful home. said, but it wasn't strong. It didn't have a firm foundation. When the disaster came, when the rains came, when the winds came, he said, great was its fall. He said, there was another man that built his house on a rock. And it withstood the times when the rains came and the winds came. He said, it was strong. It was built on a very, very firm foundation. Here's the promise that Jesus attached to that. He said, if you will listen to my words and heed my words, you'll be just like that man that built his house on the rock. You'll have a firm foundation that'll last an entire lifetime. And when those howling winds come along, when those storms of life come along, this is a promise from Jesus your house will not fall. You'll be able to withstand it because you've built your life on something worth building it upon. Jeremiah himself wrote in chapter 33, verse 3, here's a promise from God. Call upon me and I will answer you. And I will show you great and mighty things which you know not. Some Christians aren't hearing God's voice because they aren't speaking to the Lord at all. They're not calling upon Him. They're not asking for God to give them directions. Give them instructions. Show them, Lord, what is the potential that you see in my life? Lord, how, how can you help me with these problems that I have in my life? And they're not benefited by this promise that Jeremiah gives. Here's the thing you need to know. Is that God formed us. Sin deformed us. The Bible informs us, but only Jesus can transform us. Only Jesus can take your life and turn it around. He can be that rock, that firm foundation upon which you can build your life upon to be able to withstand the storms of this life. And He's the only way that you're going to be able to withstand the stands in your life. Why is it important to cling to God's promises? Why, why, should I, why would I spend so much time preaching sermons and preaching messages about hearing from God? Why would I want to help you strengthen your beliefs through understanding God's Word? Let, let me be perfectly clear on something here. Because what you believe matters. What you believe impacts how you live your life. And from the moment you took your first breath, your worldviews were being formed by things that you didn't even know about. Your worldview has been formed by education, by politics, by the media, 
Even by religion in some ways. By tradition, the things that your family has taught you. Your worldview has been shaped and pushed upon you since the day you were born up until now. And now God wants to transform that way of thinking of yours. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by what? By the renewing of your mind. By finding those promises in God's Word. By hearing God's Word and listening to what God is saying to you through those words. What you believe matters, and it matters a lot. What you really do believe will be reflected in your lifestyle and in your priorities. The next thing we see is not only the promises that God brings through this illustration, but point number four, failure to heed God's warnings brings punishment. It may not happen right away. You may think that you've gotten away with it, but God saw what happened. And at some point in time, there will be a price to pay for that. It may be in this life. It may be in the life after. I don't know when. But God says you will reap what you sow. And he gives it in this warning here to Jeremiah as well. Verse number 9. In the instant I speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to build and to plant it, if it does evil in my sight, so that it does not obey my voice, then I will relent concerning the good with which I said I would benefit it. Think about the warning and the punishment to Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve, you got this whole garden to enjoy. Anything you have is yours. Adam, you, you get to name the animals. You get to rule over the animals. Enjoy yourself. You get to walk and talk with me each and every day. However, there's one tree in the garden that I want you to stay away from. Warning, don't do it. Don't eat of this tree. That's the only thing that I ask of you. And then through that disobedient act, sin entered into this world. So we have to deal with a sin nature. That was the punishment. The punishment from that disobedience. They could no longer be in the garden. They could no longer walk and talk and enjoy God's presence the way they used to. Romans 23, the wages of sin is death. Isaiah 64, 6, he says this, he says that we all we are like an unclean thing and all of our righteousnesses are like filthy rags. We all fade as a leaf and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. There is a punishment, a payment, a wage that you have to pay. There is a price to our sin and those disobedience. The great Bible commentator Matthew Henry had this to say, and I quote, When God is coming towards us in ways of mercy, if any stop be given to the progress of that mercy, it is nothing but sin that gives it. Sin is the great mischief maker between God and a people. It forfeits the benefit of his promises and spoils the success of their prayers. It defeats his kind intentions concerning them, end of quote. And the great philosopher Anselm of Canterbury had this to say, 
And I quote once again, one of the most important things about understanding God is that sin, pride, and finitude can lead us in such a way that God must help us to see clearly. Sin in your life keeps you from hearing the Lord, keeps you from seeing His will in your life, and it brings about a punishment each and every time. The prophecy here in chapter 18 that God is speaking to the nation of Israel through the prophet Jeremiah, it was literally fulfilled when King Nebuchadnezzar marched in. He looted the temple in Jerusalem. He took God's people into captivity for 70 years and he leveled the city of Jerusalem. He smashed it down. He started over and then he built it back up again when they came back from captivity. Not only did God send Jeremiah to warn them, but another prophet by the name of Ezekiel came and warned them. God was fair in his warning, and he gave them a warning prior to the punishment that they did not heed. What kind of warnings has God given to you in your life? What's going on in your life? What are some areas that you shouldn't be in? And God is saying, do not do that, or something bad is going to happen. You see, I I could stand up here all day long and talk to you about the benefits of hearing from God. How God wants to bless you, but if I don't warn you about the impact of sin in your life, I wouldn't be much of a preacher, would I? So just like these Old Testament prophets, that was not a message they wanted to go and present to a king. Hey, king, look, 40 days, repent, or your your kingdom is going to be level. You, You got a little bit of time here, but God is going to bring a disaster if you don't. Turn from your ways. And that's exactly the message that I have as well. I want you to know that God wants to bless your life. God sees the potential in your life, but he also knows that we all have issues as well. And he gives us plenty of time. He is so, so patient in working with us. Which is my last point. God works in our lives with patience. Point number five. Now therefore, speak to the men of Judah and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, saying, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I am fashioning a disaster and devising a plan against you. Return now, everyone, from his evil way and make your ways and your doings good. God works with us so, so patiently. I can personally testify that he's given me more chances than I deserve. And you as well. 2 Peter 3, 9, one of my favorite verses is God is not slack concerning his promise, but he's long-suffering towards us. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Just like we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, God wants us all to repent and turn towards Him. Is is your life right now safely in the hands of the potter? Because once it is, Jesus said, "Once, once I have you in my hand, there can no man pluck you out of it. Not only does He patiently, patiently shape us and mold us and transform us, but He protects us as well. 
I, I thank God that he didn't throw the clay away. I, I thank God that he was patiently there, waiting to catch me when I fall. He put me in his hands. He shaped me into what he wanted me to be. He's still working on me too. He's not finished yet. What you see right now is still a diamond in the rough. Still a product that he's working on because he's not through with me yet. He's not through with you either. Write down this verse. The Apostle Paul knew all about the patience of the Lord as well. 1 Timothy chapter 1. Paul talks about himself being the chiefest of sinners. And he talks about how God was exceedingly abundantly blessing him with faith and love in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he said uh, in verse 16, However, for this reason I obtained mercy, that in me first Jesus Christ might show all longsuffering, patience, as a pattern to those who are going to believe on him for eternal life. Did you get that? That's his pattern. That's his will. That's his promises. I'm going to be as patiently as I possibly can with you. Because I want you to be something that you never dreamed of. There's an old song written by the Hemp Hills, made popular. A lot of times we hear it in uh, children's church or kids singing it. You may be familiar with it. You don't. You may have never heard it before. I don't know. We, I shared a little song with you last week that they taught. Uh, you know, Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. Here's another one that's got a deep, deep spiritual truth to it. He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. Think about this. It took him just a week to make the moon and the stars, the sun and the earth and Jupiter and Mars. How loving and patient he must be. He's still working on me. This entire universe he spoke into existence. In less than a week. But here I am, 55 years old, and he is still working on me. Each and every day. Second verse of that song. It's probably even more important than the first one. There really ought to be a sign upon my heart. It says, don't judge yet. There's an unfinished part. But I'll be perfect just according to his plan. Fashioned by the Master's loving hands. In the last verse, in the mirror of His Word, reflections that I see, makes me wonder why He never gave up on me. But He loves me as I am and helps me when I pray. Remember, He's the potter, I'm the clay. Is your life in His hands? As he saw that potential in you. But have you surrendered to his will? And have you said, here I am, Lord. Take me. Shape me. Mold me. Transform me into what you want me to be. God, I've got some rough spots in my life. You know about them. But God, I want you to start working on those areas. And make me something usable for your kingdom. If you've never surrendered to the Lord Jesus Christ, why not do it today? Why not walk down this aisle to this altar and say, God, here's my life. I want you to save me from who I am. 
Create in me a clean heart, Lord God, and transform me into what you want me to be. Every head bowed and every eye closed. In just a moment, we'll have a hymn of invitation. And whatever the Lord is speaking to you right now, whatever area He's dealing to you about, that'll be your time to respond. I'll be here at the front. I would love to pray for you and with you, whatever your need, whatever your burden may be. But the number one thing I want to know is this right here. If you died today, where would you spend eternity? Do you know for sure that you're a born-again, blood-bought follower of the Lord Jesus Christ? If you stood before God today and He asked you, why should I let you into my kingdom, what would you tell Him? The Bible says that it is by faith you are saved through grace, and it's that not of yourself, it is a gift of God. Did you hear that? It's a gift. It's a gift that He wants to give to you. And He's made every provision possible, and He's brought you here today for that reason. So my prayer is that you would just surrender to Him. Whatever area it is He's dealing with, But if you've never confessed your sins and asked Jesus Christ to be the Lord and Savior of your life, let that day be today. And if you're here today and if God's dealing with you in an area of surrender, maybe a vocational ministry, maybe as an area of a Sunday school teacher, we need those. Maybe working in the children's department. Maybe just picking up, cleaning up, Doing a little service around here. Maybe feeding the hungry. Or he may be calling you to go to a third world country to proclaim the gospel. I don't know. But today could be that starting point for you. When you step up and stand up and step out in this aisle and say, God, whatever direction you want to lead me in, that's where I want to go. You are the potter and I am the clay. Take me in your hands and mold me as you want me to be. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning. Thank you so much for loving us the way that you do. Thank you, Lord God, that you give us these crystal clear pictures of what you want to do with our lives. And God, I thank you that you're so patient with us. I I can't even begin to count the number of times that you've given me opportunity after opportunity, Lord God. to submit myself to your will and to your way. Lord, you've forgiven me so many times. I don't know why, but you do. So I pray for anyone here, Lord God, that's struggling with the decision. I've been there before, Lord God. I've locked myself down in a pew before and said I wouldn't surrender, I wouldn't walk. I wouldn't talk to anyone about what you're speaking to me. But I pray that in this congregation, in this sanctuary, Lord God, you would give us a freedom and a liberty to step out and be obedient to whatever it is you're calling us to do. And we just ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. The preceding message was presented by First Baptist Church in Morgan City, Louisiana. For more information about a relationship with Jesus Christ or about First Baptist Church, including contact info, go to the website www.fbcmc.org. 
Thank you for listening, and may God bless you.